Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. Ocean advocate is Trey Packard. Trey is the founder of Pangea Seed Foundation, a nonprofit that harnesses the power of art to connect people with the ocean and the pressing issues that surround it. Hi, Trey. Welcome to the show. Hi, Allison. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very excited to talk with you today. So for listeners, to give you guys a little bit of background, I've been following Pangea Seed Foundation for a few years now, always really interested and excited about the work that they're doing Never really connected with them directly, though, but a few weeks ago, I've, I was in San Diego, and Pangea Seed was bringing their seawalls project to San Diego, so I reached out to Trey and was able to meet up with him and meet some of the artists that they had painting murals. We'll talk about seawalls in a little bit, so you guys can be more informed on what I'm talking about there, but... It was really great to meet Trey, and we had an awesome conversation, and I really wanted to have Trey on the show to continue that conversation here and let you guys be in on it. So, Trey, I want to start out by talking about art, because I think that in all that Pangea Seed Foundation does, you guys have all these different pillars that make up Pangea Seed. I want to talk about art because I really think it's kind of the crux of what Pangea Seed Foundation is, and... A term that you guys use a lot, you throw it around, is artivism. And for listeners, artivism is a mixture between the words art and activism. So it's combining art and activists trying to create action. And in the case of Pangea Seed, obviously, trying to create positive action for the ocean. So I want to ask you, Trey, in talking about art and artivism, what power does art have that you feel really sets it apart from other means that we have in promoting ocean conservation? Uh, Great question. I guess to give you a little bit of context, when I started the organization, I was living in Tokyo, Japan, and um, as a foreigner in a foreign country, trying to encourage people to change tradition and cultural habits and consumption habits can be a challenge. Um, I think it would be no different from someone from another country coming to the U.S. and trying to change gun control policies or things like that. So I grew up in a family that really embraced art and um, there was always, you know, a paintbrush around or a guitar, you know, drumsticks or something like that, uh, a camera. As a foreigner in a foreign country, I felt that art could be a really powerful tool to to make people see or to encourage people to see the oceans in in a new light, in a positive light. I personally feel it's a small percentage of the population that's able to put on a mask and see what's underneath the waves. And I think if people are able to kind of tune into what's underneath the surface of the ocean, they would look at it in a different light. And for me, when I started the organization, um, I was looking at conservation in general, and it felt like kind of an old-fashioned model where it was either kind of conservative or militant. You know, both of those avenues didn't resonate with me, and I'm generalizing, but I wanted to do something that would inspire me, you know, that would light a fire under my ass in the morning and make me want to get out of bed and, and you know, be inspired to to help try to convey this message in a way that would really resonate with the general public. And 
for me, art was that catalyst. So yeah, that's what we did in 2009. I held my first art show under the Pangea Seed name in Tokyo, Japan. And the focus at that time was shark conservation. And um, we worked with, I think, 50 different artists from around the world. And yeah, that was kind of the, I guess, the starting point for Pangea Seed Foundation. And so from that starting point in 2009 in Japan, you've gone on to obviously grow Pangea Seed into an amazing nonprofit organization doing all these cool things. One pillar of the way that you guys utilize art to convey these ocean issues and ocean messages is through your seawalls program, like I just mentioned, how we how we met in San Diego a few weeks ago. For listeners, seawalls, murals for the ocean is a program that Pangea Seed puts on all over the world in different cities. And it's really about bringing the ocean to the streets, which I absolutely love because I, I totally agree with you, Trey, that it is a small percentage of the population that's actually going to be going beneath the surface and see the wonder and beauty of the ocean and also see the devastating effects that some of our actions are having on the ocean. So I love that you're bringing the ocean to the streets. Can you kind of describe how a Seawalls Festival comes together? Because you're doing this in all different cities. What goes into that? I mean, obviously a lot of work, but kind of, you know, condense that for listeners. What goes into Seawalls? What's it really all about? Gotcha. Well, yeah, again, to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of context, we were doing gallery shows and things like that from around like 2009 to 2012. And like at that point, the the organization was was more of a passion project for me. I was going in one direction in life when something happened to me that was quite profound regarding the oceans. And um, I, I wanted to do something that inspired me in a way that I, I could communicate what's happening to oceans to my my group of friends and, and, and like my community. And at that point, we realized that we're only scratching the surface. Gallery shows are, are a great opportunity to educate and inspire people regarding what's happening to the oceans. But at the same time, it can be somewhat polarizing. Not everybody's going to walk into a gallery. So I was doing a project in Sri Lanka in 2011 with our creative director, Aaron Glasson, and we were documenting the overfishing of, of mobile arrays near Colombo. And so Aaron's an incredible artist. He's from New Zealand. And we talked about potentially doing a, a public mural. And we did. And the community reaction was fantastic. And that was kind of a light bulb moment for us. It was just kind of like by taking art into the streets and giving it to the public, it's like a billboard and it's, it's a public service announcement. And by doing that, we have the opportunity to engage so many more people because, you know, it's in the public sector. So anybody's going to walk by it. And that was kind of a, the, the concept at that point. So we were like, OK, let's create a festival. Let's bring multiple artists from different disciplines all across the world. Let's bring them together to give the oceans a voice via art and activism um, under the, you know, the artivism concept. And we held our first festival at that point in 2014, the first Seawalls Murals for Oceans Festival, and that was in Isla Mujeres, Mexico. And we were highlighting the plight of uh, whale sharks and uh, manta rays. And this is a very specific location that's trying to create a sustainable ecotourism model at the moment. So kind of there's a lot of eyes on the community, and we thought this would be an incredible opportunity to to highlight their efforts and then highlight the animals as well. So we invited 15 artists from around the world, went to Isla Mojeda's, got these artists in the water with, with the whale sharks, with the manta rays. And for several of the artists, you know, it's their first time to ever see a shark, and we're dropping them in the water, you know, face-to-face, the biggest fish in the ocean couple of artists had never even been in the ocean before and didn't tell us until we were out on the boat. And it was just, 
it was really amazing. It, it was a game changer for us to see these artists have this direct connection with these animals and with the, you know, these ecosystems, this habitat, and then go on, you know, to become ambassadors through our project and then through their art as well. And yeah, at that point, we just kind of like shifted a lot of our focus onto the project. And since 2014, we've taken the festival to multiple locations around the world and we've painted over 300 murals, large scale community murals since then, you know, addressing issues from coastal development to overfishing to, you know, marine protected areas. And then we're also very aware of, or we try to be very aware of where we're taking the festival to specifically highlight issues that are affecting that community and efforts that are underway to to try to curb those issues. Yeah, I absolutely love that you not only are painting these murals to engage the public that, you know, lives in that town or that city, but you're really bringing these artists from all over the world that, and I got to speak with many of the artists that participated in the San Diego festival and their background is in no way about the ocean for many of them. And like you said, it's so amazing that you not only have them come to a city and paint something about the ocean, but you really engage them in the ocean. You make them activists, you know, by taking them swimming with whale sharks or, you know, whatever it is, whatever location you're in. Mm -hmm. It's so cool that you really connect them to the ocean in addition to having them paint something that is going to connect others with the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, everybody has a stake in this, you know? Um, and what I realized over the years going to, you know, many conferences and things like that is it tends to be the same people kind of preaching the same message to the same choir. And for us, we wanted to do a complete 180 with that. Like, you know, again, like our mantras, you know, let's take the oceans into the streets. And that's what we want to do. We want to engage people of all walks of life, all backgrounds, all races, all religions, all genders, because at the end of the day, it's our collective consumption habits that are really going to make a difference, you know, and hopefully change the, the tipping point that we're at at the moment. Another thing I love about the Seawalls festivals that you put on is that you also connect with local nonprofits that are doing good things. You know, in San Diego here, you connected with Surfrider San Diego. Mm-hmm. In Isla Mujeres, you're connecting with these companies that are trying to build this ecotourism industry there to help the ocean in that way. Can you talk about the importance of connecting with these local nonprofits? Yeah, 100%. From the beginning, when we were developing the model for the Seawalls Murals for Ocean Project, that was key because what we've developed is a nomadic festival. It's a nomadic project, so we don't necessarily have a home base. So we we do go to repeat locations, but to really highlight the efforts that are happening locally, it's important you know, for us to do our research and create those bridges and connections with, with local nonprofits that are really on the ground and in the trenches making the difference. So the murals and the project itself, the Seawalls Project, is an opportunity to highlight those efforts and those issues that they're you know, campaigning for. So like you said, for San Diego, we teamed up with Surfrider. And we highlighted several um, issues that they're working on locally right now, like banning cigarette smoking on beaches, plastic bags, coastal runoff, climate change, different things like that. So well, that was my cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's the first cat we've had on the podcast. Awesome. He, he's a show stealer, so. <laughs> Wants to be on the show. Yeah, um, another thing that I really like that we talked a little bit about was that on each mural, you guys actually put up a little kind of plaque and it's small, you know, in comparison to the size of these murals on city walls, it it's very small, but it's for the viewer that 
wants to get a little bit more information. Exactly. And I, I really appreciate that whenever I'm looking at a work of art, my kind of scientific brain kicks in and I'm like, what were they thinking or what is this about? Sure. You know? And so I, I really like that you, you give the viewer a little bit of context, especially since you are trying to, and these artists are trying to communicate a specific topic really, you know, on some kind of ocean issue that's occurring. Another way in which you involve the community and really try to get these issues to them is by having events. And mm-hmm. you put on an awesome event here in San Diego at La Bodega Gallery. And honestly, it was super fun, really cool. Everybody was having a really great time and also learning and connecting to the ocean and the issues that you guys present. Can you talk about putting on those events sure. and why that's important to you guys as well? Yeah, definitely. Like I've kind of compared to what we do is like the circus coming to town. So, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're dealing with like a number of artists and creative types. And sometimes these people can be quite eccentric and, and quite unique. Um, so the murals tend to be the catalyst for the project. That's kind of like the main focus, of course. And then around that, we develop a program basically um, for events throughout the week. So like we sometimes we do film screenings that focus on like ocean related films. We do musical events where we're working with, with artists that maybe have a specific message about the oceans or things like that. We have projects with kids. We, we have a program under the Pangea Seed Foundation umbrella called uh, Pangea Seed Sprout. And we'll do um, like art workshops with kids or to our mural tours where the kids can go around to the murals, meet the artists, you know, ask questions and hopefully learn a little bit about, you know, the project and, and hopefully inspire creativity, you know, within them. And yeah, it's, we try to make it as well-rounded as possible. Um, and it, it's, again, it's a work in progress. So we're, you know, with each community that we're going into, we're learning, learning something new, what does and what doesn't work. And we've also branched out. We're not necessarily just doing murals anymore. We're doing like installations and video mapping and projections and things like that. So we want to make it as engaging and I guess diverse as we can. So again, you know, like I was saying, it's, it's a work in progress. So we're always experimenting and seeing what does and doesn't stick. Another aspect of Pangea Seed Foundation that we haven't really touched on yet, we've been talking a lot about the art and artivism side of it, is the science side. So you guys work with a number of different science groups to actually help conduct ocean science and communicate that ocean science. You also run a lot of kind of citizen science trips to different parts of the world so that people of the general public can join along and have an amazing experience with the ocean and also contribute to some kind of scientific experiment and data that's going on. Can you outline, maybe give our listeners an idea of maybe what a citizen science trip that you guys have would be like if they were interested to, to go on one? Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, I've always been a science geek. Uh, it was something that I, that I always gravitated toward, you know, in school and just throughout my life. I, I do a lot of reading and it's something that I feel is, is so important to recognize and to tie into what we're doing. I guess our main driver for what we do via Pangea Seed Foundation is art, but I've managed to develop some really incredible friendships with some of the leading marine scientists in different fields that are out there at the moment. And through these relationships, one of the consistencies has been getting that message out to the general public. A lot of times scientists don't have the communication skills to to try to, you know, break down data and translate it in a way that's tangible for the general public. 
And that's something that, that art can be an incredible driver for. So by utilizing art, you can translate data, you can translate theory in, in very exciting ways. So like recently, we led our first scientific expedition to satellite tag the first sharks in the northern Pacific Ocean off the coast of Japan with Dr. Austin Gallagher from Beneath the Waves. And one of the, the main drivers behind this is, is utilizing art. So um, the concept to go back next year, we're doing three years of research and we're going back again next year. And we're going to take a group of artists, both national and international, to create large scale murals within the community to translate the data that we're receiving from the research that, that we're conducting out there at the moment. So it's going to be pioneering. It's super exciting. And I think, you know, art is just this incredible driver to to campaign for, whether it be you know, environmental or social or political efforts, you know, it, it's something that speaks to the people. And I wanted to jump back real quick. You were mentioning about, you know, the plaques that we put on walls. That was something that we came up with maybe, I don't know, a year into the project because we were realizing at that point that, you know, we don't want to micromanage the aesthetic the artist is creating based on their theme or their topic for the Seawalls project. So we work with them closely and try to steer them in specific directions. But at the end of the day, we feel it's really important that their artistic voice shines through. But at the same time, art's subjective. So not everybody's going to get it. But if people do want to take that step, that, that extra step, we've started creating plaques that, that accompany the mural um, that has like the artist's name, the topic that they chose, a blurb about that issue, um, and then like URLs for where they can go for more information. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really great way to, to get these issues out in a way that's tangible for the public. I have a background investigative photography, so I used to go into ports throughout Asia and document illegal wildlife trade. And for me, it got to a point where showing the, the, the reality of the issue, the death and destruction is, is important, but it only goes so far in terms of like really inspiring and motivating people. And I just, I switched gears and wanted to use art as that catalyst. And I think in my opinion, through my experience, art has been the driver. I think that's what what has really separated our efforts from a lot of other efforts going on out there. And it's it's just continuing to grow, which is super exciting. Like I started the organization with a just an internet connection and a bunch of late nights when I was living in Japan. And now we've turned into this international movement with the support of over, you know, 600 artists from around the world. And it's a really interesting story and, you know, a true grassroots effort. And I hope it inspires other people, you know, it like, for me, I don't want to spend my life, you know, in a cubicle or, you know, you know, doing a nine to five grind. And I think if you do have that that opportunity to kind of like cut ties and follow your passions, I encourage everybody to do that. I think it would be such a better world if people did follow their passions, as long as that passion is, you know, contributing. Not subtracting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great. And I think that with that concept of really trying to follow your passion and make your contribution to the world mm -hmm. that's positive and also touching on what you were just talking about your you were previously documenting a lot of devastating impacts of overfishing and shark finning and things like that these really heavy topics that are obviously really tragic and also really hard for people to digest like you mentioned i wanted to bring up kind of the topic of or or what is your advice to people you know, as the founder of Pangea Seed Foundation and just as Trey Packard yourself, what can people do to help combat overfishing? I mean, 
once they've learned about it and been inspired to somehow create change in their own personal life and make their contribution to the world positive, what's your advice for people on, on how to combat overfishing on an individual level? That's a great question. I think it, it boils down to um, a couple of different elements. One would definitely be as consumers, if you're living in a uh, society where you do have the option to choose, I think it's really important that that as the consumer, you know, we take that responsibility to know where our fish is coming from, or it doesn't necessarily have to be fish. I think it should be everything at this point, you know, but yeah, I think, you know, just being responsible consumers, you know, knowing where, if we're talking about uh, marine life, I don't like to call it seafood necessarily, because we don't say jungle food, we don't say forest food. And I think that's one of the disconnects that people have with marine life is that we consider it food. In terms of calling it seafood, I mean, for instance, I don't, I don't eat any animal products. I don't eat anything that comes from the ocean mm -hmm. that is an animal. And so calling it seafood, you're inferring that it is food, exactly. you know. So it's kind of counterintuitive, especially when you're talking about not eating it. To call it food makes no sense. Exactly. But exactly. Yeah. So I think another another major component of that is, that, you know, voting, you know, voting for representatives within your community that are supporting environmental efforts to, to help curb overfishing. I think that's very, very important. And again, that's taking that extra step. But I think, you know, having these luxuries where we do have the right to choose, you know, what food we, we want to eat for dinner or what sandwich I'm going to eat for, for lunch or, you know, having the right to vote. I think it's our responsibility as citizens to, to go that extra step and, and be responsible in that regard. It, it's a little bit of extra work potentially, but yeah, I, we're talking about the, the fate of the planet. <laughs> so I think that going that extra step is justifiable for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think another aspect to just add to this topic from my perspective is that when you do have the availability of so many food options when you're living in a place that gives you those opportunities, mm -hmm. like the United States, for instance, there are so many foods to eat that are more sustainable, whether it's an animal product or not that do not impact the ocean so negatively as eating unsustainable seafood, you know? So totally. I think that the more that people explore those options of non-animal products that can sustain you and non-unsustainable seafood products that can sustain you, mm -hmm. you know, the better that we're all making better choices for the ocean. And I, I know that you obviously live by that philosophy as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then like, you know, living by that philosophy and then leading by an ex by example. I mean, I know when I'm out with my friends and stuff, like if I see a piece of plastic on the road, I'm going to pick it up. You know, if I go to a restaurant, I'm going to ask questions. Is If I do decide to eat an animal product, I'll ask, is this free range? Is this, you know, do you know where it's coming from? Is it local? And it's contagious. I think once you do that, people kind of perk up and they pay attention and then they start asking those questions as well. So um, I think that that behavior is contagious. So definitely leading by example is really important. And then echoing, you know, leading by example, like through our efforts with Pangea Seed Foundation, we're really encouraging people to harness their creativity to to give whatever they care about a voice, you know. And like last year, we did a music festival and uh, we painted this massive 30 by 20 foot canvas that focused on bluefin tuna. And next to the, the, the location where we were painting this massive mural throughout the, the festival, there was a stand that was selling sushi that had bluefin tuna. And like we, we made it kind of like a an older kind of like advert from like the 50s. I think it said like in like big popping letters, like, you know, populations reduced by 96 percent. And it was like the, the head of the fish. And then it kind of like developed into kind of like a sushi roll. 
And it was so funny because people would buy this tuna and then walk out and they're confronted with this massive 30 by 20 foot mural, you know, that's raising awareness for, you know, the plight of, of bluefin. And people would immediately get it. And we had so many people come over to us and be like, oh, my God, I didn't know this. And, you know, I feel so guilty for buying it. And in a sense, you know, that that's a great opportunity to, to influence and educate people. And I like that. was Again, that was a light bulb moment for us where we really started like heavily incorporating text into our murals because we don't want them to necessarily necessarily be billboards. Um, but we do want them to be public service announcements. So, yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting, uh, I guess, balance. And, you know, we're we're consistently, I guess, in the middle of on the on the job training. One thing I also wanted to ask you about is the name Pangea Seed, uh-huh. can you explain to listeners how do you come up with Pangea Seed and what's the meaning behind it? Sure, sure. Um, as as corny as it may sound, like a lot of a lot of my ideas kind of come to me, like I guess kind of in that state between sleeping and being awake. Usually that early morning moment, you know, where I'm laying in bed for like an hour or so and and trying to pull myself out of sleep, and then also in the shower. Shower is a great place for inspiration for me. Um, so I always keep notes. I'm always jumping out and, you know, keeping notes and things like that. I, actually, I have a tablet that I use for diving, for writing underwater that I keep in the, the shower with me for ideas as well. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So the name Pangea Seed, I was toying with the idea of this concept of connectedness. And, you know, Pangea is the, the concept of the supercontinent uh, when everything was connected. And at this point in time, we're more connected than we ever been, than we ever have been. And it's it's really important that people are utilizing their 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 talents and their creativities and, and the information that we have kind of at our fingertips to to work together to make the planet a better place. So with the concept of Pangea, we I started playing with the, the idea of seed. And, you know, seed is kind of like this idea of, of growth and hope. I went a little deeper with it. And through the organization, we, we, we have like four main pillars that we kind of operate under sustainability, education, ecology and design. And that's basically what the seed is in the Pangea seed. Yeah, well, I definitely love the name Pangea Seed. I think it really stands out and also the concept behind it. You know, when I think of the supercontinent Pangea, you know, before all of our land masses were separated, it was surrounded by water, you know, which is obviously the water was very impactful to the the continent or the land mass Pangea. Mm -hmm. And then when you think about our continents today, they're separated, but they're still connected by water. Of course. yeah, it's the great unifier, and it's that water that Pangea Seed Foundation, your foundation, is trying to protect and conserve. So I love the name. I think it's absolutely amazing, and I think it really speaks to what Pangea Seed's all about. So for listeners, you guys can get involved with Pangea Seed in a number of different ways. If you are an artist, a mural artist, or any kind of artist, you guys can go on Pangea Seed's website. That is pangeaseed.foundation, and you guys can submit your art there or reach out to Trey and see how you can get involved as, as an artist if what Pangea Seed is all about really speaks to you. And for everybody else, you guys can get involved by going on Pangea Seed's citizen science trips that they have to different locations, helping them to collect scientific data and connect that with art. And you guys can also just attend their events. So if Pangea Seeds Seawalls Project is coming to a city near you, you guys can see where they're coming next and go to those awesome events that Trey touched on earlier, like a party that I got to go to or just go see some murals that are being painted or have your kid go to an art 
activity lesson or whatever it is, you guys can get involved with Pangea Seed in that way because they really are international and going all over the place. So I'm sure that you can find a way to connect with Pangea Seed and get involved if you'd like to. Again, visit pangeaseed.foundation. I'll link to their website when I post this podcast episode and you guys can reach out in that way. And so, Trey, do you guys have a list of where you guys will be coming with Seawalls in 2017? Yeah, it's really exciting. We're already booked up through 2017 and um, into 2018, we've already got projects on the burner. So starting off, we're going to be doing Grenada in January, New Zealand in March, Churchill, Canada in June, um, Australia in August, and then Mexico in October. So it's going to be a very full year for Seawalls projects and then also our expeditions as well. We're going to be doing Tonga next week for Humpback Whales. We'll be doing our whale shark expeditions again at Isla Mujeres, Mexico in July of 2017. We're doing our first liveaboard and we're trying to pinpoint the location at the moment. So that's going to be very exciting. If anybody is, is interested to bring a Seawalls project to your community, reach out to us. You know, We've had that happen on several occasions where people will kind of cold call us and say, hey, We'd love to bring this to our community. Public art is something that we really appreciate and want to foster within the community. And then, you know, having an environmental message like this is the home run. Um, I will also link to Pangea Seed's social media accounts. They're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pangea Seed and also at Seawalls. They've got both of those handles and you guys can connect with them in that way. And also they've got a really cool Vimeo channel. So you guys can check that out. I'll link to that. They are always making really cool video edits of seawall festivals that they do and the trips that they go on and the science that they contribute to. So definitely check out their Vimeo channel as well. So Trey, I want to thank you and Pangea Seed for all the positive change that you're creating for the ocean. It's honestly so amazing and inspiring and you're really bringing the ocean to the streets and I love it. And I also want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed talking with you. My pleasure. Yeah, it was great. We really appreciate the opportunity to share our story with you. Um, something else I was going to mention is that Pangea Seed Foundation, we are a 501c3 tax exempt organization, and we rely on the generosity of, of our supporters. So if you feel that, that our work is something that you know resonates with you or maybe something you want to support, we'd greatly appreciate you to consider you know donating to, to support our efforts. Um, it's what keeps us moving. We're a very small team that's you know highly dedicated and doing the, the, the best we can. And yeah, I mean, the more support we have, the, the better work that we can do. Um, also, I was going to mention that on our uh, website, we're currently working on a new platform to really highlight the Seawalls Murals for Oceans program, telling the stories of the communities that we're going into, the people behind the scenes, because that's something that a lot of people tend not to see. Like, for example, the, the San Diego project, we had over 40 volunteers that came out and donated their time and talent to help out. And, you know, these are people that are greatly concerned about the state of our oceans and want to be able to to contribute and help out in ways that are tangible for them. Um, And also there's a map on there. Like I said, since 2014, we've painted over 300 large-scale murals around the world. And there's a map uh, that shows you where these murals are at. So maybe if you're in the area, you can follow it. But yeah, if if you're interested in in supporting what we do, check out the website, submit a portfolio. We're consistently looking for, you know, new talent from around the world to, to build this international family of of creatives that are concerned about our oceans and want to do something about it. Yeah. So needless to say, if you want to get involved with Pangea Seed, you definitely can. There are so many ways to do it. And that's, I think, another way that Pangea Seed really stands out. You really involve anybody and everybody that wants to wants to get involved and care for our oceans. So absolutely amazing. And 
And I can't wait to see what Pangea Seed is going to do in the future. And again, thank you so much for being on the show today, Trey. I really enjoyed talking with you. Likewise. Thank you so much. Listen to Ocean Allison, spread the good word, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in, a, in an alleyway or a, <laughs> you know, a mural location soon. Definitely. Thanks so much. For sure. Thank you. You just heard Trey Packard, founder of Pangea Seed Foundation, a nonprofit that harnesses the power of art to connect people with the ocean. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at alisonrandolph.com and keep the podcast coming by contributing a dollar or more per episode at patreon.com slash oceanallison. And tune into next week's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.